0: Hello and welcome to episode 150 of the Cognicast, a podcast about software and the people who create it. I'm Russ Olson. You know, the key word here is people. As I'm recording this on March 26, 2020, the people of the world are in the midst of the illness and loss, the fear and the shortages and the shutdowns of the coronavirus pandemic. We here at Cognitech would like to urge everyone to take this thing seriously. Take care of yourself take care of your family, and take care of your community. For many of us, that means simply staying socially isolated. For many of us, the best thing we can do is simply avoid becoming part of the problem. We're living through some dark times, but sometimes the best way to get through the darkness is to focus on the brighter days ahead. Joy comes with the morning. And I can't think of a better way to focus on the bright joy of life then spend an hour or so listening to Karen Meyer and this week's guest, Cognitech's own Jared Binford, talk about anime and the Peace Corps and everyone's favorite lizard-based urban renewal system. So without further ado, here is Karen and Jared in episode 150 of the Cognicast.
1: You can keep it in, I don't care.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll remove it, don't worry.
1: Uh, welcome everyone. Today is February 21st, 2020, and this is the CogniCast. I'm Karen Meyer, and today it is my great pleasure to introduce uh, Jarrett Binford on our show. Um, Jarrett works here at CogniTech, he's on the support team with Atomic, and he also is involved in the CogniCast. He helps um, edit our episodes so i'm really excited to have him on here today with us
2: thank you so much for having me i'm excited to be here
1: yeah so uh you've been with the Cognicast. we've had kind of a a little a little uh layover with the Cognitas episodes but we're rebooting now so uh, i'm excited to have you on here i'm also um very pleased because jared and i uh, share a deep Abiding love for a certain monster that I'm not going to name right now.
2: Uh-huh. This is where I'll use my edit powers to edit in maybe a roar or something.
1: like that. <laughs> Yeah,
2: if, if, if that's public license, I don't know if it's public license or not, but if it is, it's got to yeah. go in.
1: <laughs> so, so I've been I've been uh, wanting to get him on the show so we could, you know, talk about these things. Uh, so, uh, among other things, but we have to keep with the format of Cognicast. So first, um, I would like to ask you, Jared, if you have a, an art experience, anything, visual, audio, um, movie, <laughs> anything yeah. thats that you'd like to share.
2: Yeah, so I thought about this question, and I knew you and I would be talking about our favorite thing uh, later in the podcast. So I didn't want to go straight to that, but I, I went um, a little bit adjacent a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was able to see with a friend of mine, a anime film called Redline. Um, it's a science fiction auto racing anime. Um, and it's just an absolutely gorgeous, each, uh, frame was hand animated, uh, wacky, crazy, weird, uh, science fiction race that takes place on a planet called robo world. Um, and, uh, it may not, um, uh, meet a standard definition of art, but it's definitely was, it, it, was, it was, it was definitely mind blowing to me uh, to watch that film and to see the love and the craft that went into like every single scene. Um, and it, it's just a beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, 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 movie. If you get a chance to watch it, you should check it out. It's called cool. Red Line.
1: Red Line. Okay. I hadn't heard. So where, where do you see these films? Cause I don't see any... Anything coming up? Are they, do they show them in the regular movie theaters? Or
2: are they somewhere else? Uh, that one, I think we uh, we just rented it on Amazon Prime. We had, um, there's a couple of, um, you know, lists of some of the greatest anime to watch and I've been trying to like work my way through it because I, I really enjoy uh, the genre and I like science fiction a lot <laughs> as we may get into. Uh, and so, I think we had just watched like Paprika, which is really widely regarded and this was next on the list, uh, Redline, and so we, we picked it up and it was amazing. I think we got it on Amazon Prime and it was great. Oh, I loved cool.
1: it. Okay, I'll have to put that on my list too. I'm I'm kind of a newbie in the field, but I I have been getting into
2: it and enjoy it. So. Yeah, I just I just kept cracking up about Robo World because uh, the the race the plot of the movie, which isn't giving away much, but it's basically the universe's deadliest race, and it takes place with or where, without the permission of wherever the course is, and the course happens to be on a planet called Robo World. Um, And there's this, these military zealot cyborgs that are trying to stop them from racing the whole time. I don't know. It's just, it's wacky, but it's great. It's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful movie. So, yeah, watch it. I will. I will. I'm going to put it on my
1: list. Mm. Um, So, so yeah, I I was uh, kind of stalking you. I mean, in a friendly way, like a before (laughs) sort of, not, not in like a creepy way, but like in a before interview, you know, Uh, getting some talking points together and I was um, looking at your background and you have a really cool background. Um, So the first thing that really stood out to me is that you studied philosophy and computer science. So that's not the usual combo. I don't, I don't think.
2: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) it's kind of got a little bit of a boring, well, I guess it's a weird, uh, uh, reason as to how I ended up, um, doing uh, a double major in computer science and philosophy. But uh, when I was in high school, um, my I come from a very Catholic family and my family was pretty set on me becoming a priest. And I kind of thought, well, maybe that's something I want to do. But then I also thought, maybe I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was always um, on a computer or using a computer to just tool around and, you know, always messing around with that sort of thing and really had a passion for that. Um, and one of the ways that I kind of got around that is I, um, when I went to school, I agreed to keep an open mind uh, with my parents about potentially transferring to a seminary. And you may not know this, but uh, it is uh, a requirement to have at least a minor in philosophy, or at least it was at the time, um, to switch over. Now, I have like (laughs) completely moved away from that part of my life, but, uh, um, but so I started out with a minor in philosophy, and I took a couple of classes, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, it changed a lot about the way I was thinking at the time, but I was still mostly pursuing, uh, computer science and then it just morphed into, well, I guess I'll just get both of these degrees and <laughs> finish a bachelor of arts and a bachelor of science, um, uh, at my university. And it was a lot of fun. And I, I think that there's a lot of crossover. I think, uh, uh, you know, I found out that I was pretty good at, you know, modus ponens and logic <laughs> and that sort of stuff on that side of the house in philosophy uh mostly because you know I was dealing with that stuff in the computer science world uh and it really I think it strengthened you know um I I think that each discipline can strengthen each other uh but you know I was also into philosophy for all the fun debate on top of a table type stuff
1: <laughs> so so this is kind of a side note but you, uh, for people for the listeners uh, Cognitech is a distributed. Like I work from my home in Cincinnati, Ohio, but you are actually um, in in the office part where you work with other people, right? Like Stu and and uh, Justin and other people around there. And I yeah. Get-
2: mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, no. I I hear I hear that um, you you in the office get into debates. Uh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So arguing is pretty fundamental to philosophy. And we've got a, a, a bunch of uh, uh, lawyers uh, uh, that end up around the table. It feels like uh, every, every lunch is let's debate something. Now, usually the topic is something like, uh, you know, how should we interpret this uh, Dungeons and Dragons rule? Or is this spell, <laughs> you know, appropriate use? Or, or did, uh, did the e- could the eagles have actually uh, just flown the hobbits? Uh, to to Mordor to destroy the Ring, like why didn't they just take them all the way? Uh, that sort of stuff is usually uh, uh, what we debate. Um, yeah.
1: And I, and I heard that last <laughs> question was was outlawed after maybe yeah flipping or chair throwing. I don't know exactly what happened. Yeah.
2: But. There's a there's a there's a list of banned topics. Uh, <laughs> you know that, that that spans you know you know programming to to you know nerdy stuff like you know Dungeons and Dragons etc. So
1: yeah. Okay, so uh, you brought up the, the lunch thing. I mean, it sounds like a, an awful lot of fun, but you, you what, what sort of, uh, I guess you do Dungeons and Dragons, do you do other, other sorts of games here?
2: Yeah, we play a lot of board games, uh, and I think um, for those of the listeners who've attended uh, Clojure Conj, there's usually a night uh, early on where everyone gets together and um, plays board games as kind of like a warm-up to the start of the conference, uh, just like a social event, and we keep a lot of the board games here at the office and we take them with us whenever we're going to run conj. And that's one of the things that I do is I cart all the board games around. (laughs) Uh, One of my unofficial duties (laughs) on the Atomic team is to cart those, those uh, board games around. Um, But yeah, so we play a lot of board games, a lot of um, uh, uh, tabletop type games, and it's a lot of fun.
1: Do you you have any favorites that? Uh,
2: Yeah, I uh, really like, as like a fun game I like this game called Clank in Space where you're a thief and you're trying to steal um, relics and artifacts from some space captain's ship (laughs) uh, and get out in time without making a bunch of noise uh, without attracting attention Um, I also like uh, a game called Champions of Midgard uh, which is a game where it's a worker placement game uh, and you you you're playing as Vikings which is something I'm super into. (laughs) So yeah, uh, no, those games, those games are a lot of fun and, but I'll play pretty much any board game. Uh, we actually recently got a game called thunder alley, which is a NASCAR racing game. And I thought that it would be just totally outside of my wheelhouse just because of the, um, you know, the, I don't know anything about racing. Uh, but the game itself is is beautiful, the mechanics of drifting and, uh, pushing, uh, cars forward on a track and trying to win a race as a board game uh, were very interesting a lot of fun and it came down to the wire just like I assume you know real races do so it was a lot of fun I'm never going to be a race car driver so this is about as close as I'll get so
1: <laughs> yeah well I, I think that the thing I like about playing games especially uh, like before Conjas and stuff it is a good social mixer that you know everyone can get involved in uh, in there there's usually different types of games, depending on how hardcore gamer you are. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm on the really uh, beginner side of games. Uh, so I, I, I can't do like the really games that have like tons of rules and take hours, but I can like sit down and play for like a half an hour to an hour.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, um, I love that about conj. I love that. That's a thing that the community does. Uh, it's another unique aspect of our Community that I think really brings people together, and you're you're absolutely right. There's a whole um, there's a whole series of different games. There's you know there's beginner entry, whatever, but they are all fun and they bring people together and let you you know show a little bit of you know uh, your own personality and also you know learn something <laughs> at the same time. So I love a good board game. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, oh, I was back on my stalking track on you. <laughs> Yeah. My friendly stalking. Um, <laughs> I, I also saw that you were in the Peace Corps, uh, which is, I think, that is just so cool. Like, it's something that I've always, you know, that's kind of like a dream thing. You know, the go yeah. Peace Corps that that I, I personally have never gotten a chance to put into reality. Um, but can you just tell us about that experience? It's really cool.
2: Yeah. Um, so I I. I don't know if there's any listeners that might not be aware, especially if you're overseas, Um, but the Peace Corps uh, is a volunteer program run by the United States government. Um, It has this three uh, goal mission to, (laughs) it's going to sound hokey, but promote world peace and friendship (laughs) uh, by fulfilling these three goals, uh, basically, you know, to provide technical talent to um, uh, countries and to promote better understanding uh, of Americans in those countries and and better understanding of the people served in America. So it's like a, uh, a cultural exchange as well as a technical talent exchange. Uh, and I uh, joined the Peace Corps right out of college. I um, <laughs> had my college experience. I, I was fortunate enough to get most of my college paid for by the federal government. And I felt like, um, you know, maybe I should give back in some way. And I'd always been attracted to the idea of the Peace Corps. I grew up in the Midwest and uh, hadn't really seen a lot of oceans (laughs) uh, or done any kind of serious travel. And I just really uh, got taken by the idea and applied and got accepted as a uh, HIV health IT volunteer in Ethiopia. Uh, And I was originally partnered with the Clinton Foundation to help uh, make Um, a medical records patient database in rural uh, northern Ethiopia, Um, (laughs) which uh, like on paper when I got this assignment and leading up to it and training for it, I was super pumped and super excited. And I get there, drop my bags uh, in my room and find out that this is a town that gets power uh, three days out of any given week and I don't know why we're trying to make an electronic records medical database there, Uh, but we were. um, And so we did, um, but that project probably wasn't the best use of my time in Ethiopia. And um, the Peace Corps encourages you to do like a, uh, what they call a community needs assessment. So you look around your community and you try to figure out, because you're another part of the Peace Corps experience is you are, you are paid as a local would be paid. So I was paid an Ethiopian teacher's salary, which I think at the time was like maybe 300 us dollars a month. And you take care of your own everything while you're there. And you're just living in country as a host country, what we call host country national would live. And you're assisting in any way that you can in that community. Um, and we did this community needs assessment. And I found out that there was a um, large Plua, uh people living with HIV and AIDS association in my town uh, that was severely underfunded. There's a lot of, as you can imagine, stigma around having the virus. Um, And so getting employment or just having normal income is actually hard. So what has happened is a lot of these towns have formed these informal associations and they try to make co-op type businesses. And we ran a, um, (laughs) a goat buying business where we would buy goats at the um, I'm Sorry if I'm just rambling on about
1: this,
2: but we would buy, we would buy goats um, in the off holidays and then sell them on the high holidays because Ethiopia is an interesting country in the sense that um, there are two predominant religions, uh, Orthodox Christian and um, Muslim. And it's about a 60, 40 split um, with 60% being Christian. Uh, But what that results in is there are a ton of holidays and a ton of fasting periods. So Ethiopians have a really great vegetarian menu. If there's any vegetarians out there looking for um, a new food uh, or new uh, type of food or new type of ethnic cuisine, I really encourage you to try Ethiopian food because there's a lot of wonderful stews that they make chickpea based paste, all that sort of stuff. But anyway, um, the fasting season and the high holiday season results in like just some normal market things like goats are, really cheap in the middle of a fast and really expensive right before a holiday, because as soon as the holiday happens, you break fast and you celebrate by having a goat. And so the whole idea was the business we started with $5,000 and we got up to, I think 10,000 some odd goats before I left. Um, amazing. Yeah. And, and, and really honestly, like while I helped them secure the funding, this was mostly this clue organization of about 500 members really taking over and just, They've started, they used that little bit of money to get this business off the ground, and they were buying huge amounts of goats when I left. I, I, I really should uh, follow back up and see what it's up to now, because I'm sure it's still going. Wow. Um, so so yeah, how, was, about,
1: how many years were you down there? Again
2: two years and uh, three months. Yep. Yeah. Wow.
1: So. So yeah, would, I, would you recommend it to other oh, people yeah. Out of college? Yeah.
2: Yeah, you were saying that it's a a dream of yours. It's still a dream of mine. Um, Peace Corps will take you at any time in your life. Um, And I will, as a person who's been in the Peace Corps, will say that if you are in a committed relationship and you have a partner, you're going to get the best posting. (laughs) So so (laughs) if you go over with a significant other or whatever, you're going to get the best town, the best job, probably the best organization. We always used to joke about the uh, married and uh, partnered couples in our Peace Corps group because they had like, the best gigs they were't out in the middle of nowhere, but Peace Corps will accept you at any time um, that you're willing to come and join and i I think my wife my I met my wife in Peace Corps, and um I think that our plan at some point is to do it again uh, together uh, again so
1: that is so cool yeah. <laughs> that's I, cool that you that, that you did the experience and then you made it right there and then like you're planning to do it i, I again
2: later that's really yeah so if you if you if you ever feel the urge to go on an extended vacation um (laughs) two year two year uh two year vacation i mean you have to work a little bit but it really is a lot of fun and it was the best time of my life i can't recommend it more um yeah
1: i'm definitely uh pushing it up higher on my list now because of (laughs) yeah so how did how did it how did it work out then peace corps to uh, I guess, datomic what <laughs> you're doing now. How yeah. Did that, how did that work?
2: Yeah, well so, well, so I had a computer science degree and when I got out, I was, my wife and I, actually, we weren't um, yet married. Um, we had a, uh, uh, a pact when we left Peace Corps. Whoever got the job first, because we were both from different parts of the states. So I was from Indiana, she was from Boston and um, we had a pact of whoever got a job first, um, the other one would move there and so I raced to get a job and I got a job of, uh, at a health IT company in Kansas city. I don't know if I should, or I I, I think I can say the name Cerner. Um, and I ended up on a, as a software engineer on a team at a support desk, basically assigned to uh, third level uh, support in an organization they call solution works. And I found out that I, cause I, when I left, you know, I, I'd just come out of school. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my computer science degree. I didn't know what kind of work I was interested in. I just, went off and did Peace Corps. (laughs) And I tried to apply my computer science degree there, but I really ended up learning a lot more about goats than I did about anything, (laughs) anything related to technology. Um, And so when I came back, it was interesting to get assigned to this support desk role, because it's not a role that I think you think about when you're in school. Um, But it's an interesting role because you get, basically, you get a bunch of users reporting odd behavior in their software, and then that bubbles up to the point where eventually becomes a bug and the bug gets fixed. Uh, and that was uh, my team's job was to tag and fix those things for a set of applications that started supported supported. And it was also a lot of fun. I, I found that I loved the cycle of getting a problem and actually fixing it and closing it and walking away, <laughs> um, which I've never been on a, um, I've never worked in a, in a software job, except for Datomic, I guess, where I was part of one applications like long lived um uh support or or care or development um and so now th- this is actually the interesting thing about my job now is i'm doing a lot of that same sort of stuff for datomic users uh run into problems they report them to us i work with them in support to get reproductions and then i work with the dev team to get fixes out and make sure that we've released things appropriately um and so it's a, it's a really fun and interesting role that I don't think I would have known about um, while I was in college or it wouldn't have been talked about. Um, Cause I think it's the not glamorous side of software. The, now we've got this thing out in the world and it's broken and somebody needs to fix it. Uh, who do we call <laughs> that kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, but it's a lot of fun.
1: But I think the problems like real problems out in the wild are, are such a, challenge sometimes to just even get a handle on and, and like diagnose uh, like uh, how, how, how do you how do you approach it like if you if you get a a bug in like what what, what are your what are your steps
2: yeah so I mean uh, I, I think that a lot of my current thinking about how to approach this is really informed by the Datomic team um, Stu's scientific method talk and uh, his Sherlock talk and uh, Marshall's, you know, background, Marshall Thompson's background on the team, uh, you know, Chris Redinger, rich, everybody. Uh, the idea is to start from first principles and gather all the information needed and then work yourself, uh, to a point where you get, you get an understanding of what the user's actual problem is. A lot of times we'll have users that'll report to us, you know, like, query performance or indexing isn't working right or whatever, but their actual problem is, you know, the way that the schema was designed and you won't get to that problem unless you gather all the boring stuff first, you know, what version are you on? What, uh, what, <laughs> what does your schema look like? You know, what, uh, what, what, what problem are you trying to solve here? Um, you know, cause if you just start to try to tackle the symptom, um, you can end up in the wrong, you can end up with the wrong solution. Uh, and I think that that's been my biggest lesson of working here at Cognitech, uh, because I think, you know, um, I, I, I just, I, I now just think that way. <laughs> uh, and I think it's an important way to think uh, about problems and um, how to solve them. So, yeah. I don't know if that was an answer. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: that's, uh, it, it is, that's one of the things I really appreciate working at Cognitech is, is the, the mindset, the, the training of, you know, stepping back and being thoughtful about yeah. things. Um, which, yeah, it, yeah.
2: I wouldn't necessarily say it's like hammock time. Cause I'm not designing something, but it is like that same space of waiting to, to think about what it is that is actually the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what, what is your, uh, just to give kind of the behind the scenes like what it's like to work on the atomic team because i I work on the consulting team so my my day is totally different than uh your day um so what, what does your day kind of look like
2: yeah so uh every day i run the stand up for our team which is a small team i think i just listed everybody uh with the exception of our um often guest on stand up alex miller and we um uh, we just go through our statuses and we try to make it a, a genuine stand-up where we're just giving a status of what we're doing that given day. And then we break off and we go about our business. Now, my business is largely customer-facing. Um, so I'm looking at a support portal, looking for tickets. I'm checking our Slack. I'm going to Stack Overflow uh, if people have reported something there. I'm going wherever the problem is. We also have a forum, uh, Um forum, uh, Please check it out if you haven't been over there. Uh, where we're trying to keep everything so that it's preserved and survives Slack's archiving (laughs) Um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, So my job is to go and deal with those cases. Um, Now, if we have like a release coming out uh, or a particular bug that we're working on or a reproduction that we're working on, that's also slated into my work of what I'm doing on any given day. Uh, But the main job is to really just be there for customers. Um, We also have a a Marshall Thompson, who's kind of um, my mentor, and uh, the person who, you know, trained me up on this job, um, he uh, will oftentimes be in like a sales conversation about Datomic or uh, an architectural type review about Datomic, and I might join him for that um, to be able to assist and set up that support relationship, but also to, you know, uh, learn about the problems that our users are facing because, you know, now uh, with Atomic Cloud and with Ions, uh, people are building their apps and getting a database too. <laughs> they're building everything inside uh uh and so we get all flavors of um tech stacks and all sorts of things Uh, and it's really interesting to hear that um hear that side of the experience Uh, and so that's my day and whenever we get a case i try to serve our customer within the nsla but also uh, learn from our customers our customer base is awesome. Everyone that uses Datomic, uh, for the most part, they generally know more about Atomic than I do. It feels like, uh, they're really uh, thoughtful, uh, and engaging, uh, developers who, when they come to us with an issue are usually, you know, spot on about, you know, what's wrong. And it makes my job a lot easier most of the time, um, uh, being able to just run with the reproduction that they've started or, or, um, uh, you know follow up on, on on a hunch they have or that sort of thing um and so you know really this community uh and the team uh makes my job you know wonderful in terms of just engaging with the community and then uh bringing back that feedback to the development process uh with the team for future releases
1: sweet um so you mentioned cloud and the ions. If somebody, it was if somebody's listening out there that hasn't played with the atomic and kind of wanted to look around. What would you suggest to them uh, as a good way to start out?
2: So the sweetest thing that we have, thanks to Robert Randolph, um, who's been working with us, is we have these new sets of videos on the Atomic Cloud doc site that. Go over topics like you know AWS setup or you know whatever. You can obviously read our docs at slash cloud and you know get a general idea of the overview and the architecture. But these uh, short videos that that uh, uh, Robert has made um, directly deal with things like the CLI tools that we've released, HTTP direct. You know what a datum is, Eden notation, um, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, and I think that they're wonderful and great. And then there's also a series of videos by um, Stu uh, called Day of Datomic, and there's Day of Datomic Cloud, and those videos are a great starting point for uh, getting introduced to cloud. And that's what I'd recommend. And also just to email me directly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you going to provide your email?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared, uh, Jared at cognitech.com. You know, <laughs> there or, you or,
1: go. <laughs>
2: or put a support ticket in at our support desk, support.datomic.com. So. <laughs> We're there.
1: Does Stu know about this?
2: offering <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my email. I, I think Stu would be happy for more people to try cloud or have questions about cloud. And because every person that tries or has questions about it and they email us and they weren't able to find it in our docs, that's an opportunity for me uh, to go improve our docs <laughs> and make them better uh, and make that experience easier because we want we want it to be. Um, an experience that's enjoyable so then you can get down to actually solving the problems that you have that you care about
1: <laughs> man I, i'm going to give you like a hundred and a trophy for that because that's that's, a, that's an awesome answer <laughs> it's a nice nice job so please try datomic if you haven't tried it and i guess if you have any problems you can email jared <laughs>
2: so, yeah, <laughs> there yeah you go. absolutely yeah <laughs> support at cognitech.com also works it gets to me too Lots of ways, scream in Slack, that sort of thing, in the uh, Closure in Slack, uh, in the Datomic channel. I'm down there all the time. So, yeah.
1: So cool. Is there is there anything else uh, of your kind of work at Cognitech that you'd like to talk about?
2: Yeah, and I, I don't know if I've made it clear, but like, uh, you know, really Datomic is everything that I do is such a team effort. Um, you know, I get feedback from Stu Holloway, I get, you know, input from Chris Redinger. I get guidance from Marshall Thompson, uh, you, you know, Rich. Everyone like just is super supportive and it's a wonderful work environment. And one of the things that I've I've really loved, like I was just talking about going to the Slack, is most of the time when I get to the Slack, a question's already answered by the people in our community. You know, we have a lot of users out there like Francis Avila. I, I don't mean to just name drop, but like, joe lane some other people that are just constantly in that slack answering people's questions and that kind of helpful community is what makes working in the datomic space uh wonderful and delightful Uh, and i really appreciate all those people that make my job easier by helping to answer you know newbies questions or help people that are troubleshooting a problem or whatever um i really appreciate it so that's what i want to (laughs) say
1: awesome so um I I did want to leave time in our show. Um, I had, and I'll I'll share this with everybody because I I had some talking points kind of that I wanted to make sure that I hit uh, for this show. And three of the talking points had to do with uh, our shared love, which is, I will name it now or actually I'll let you, I'll let, I'll let you name it.
2: Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla,
1: Godzilla. Yeah. So I had three talking points. I was like, Godzilla, and then Godzilla, and then Godzilla if their time allows.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. So, so Karen, can you share when you got into Godzilla, and then I'll share when I got into Godzilla?
1: Yeah, so uh, it was it was late, because I, I didn't really I, I was never really exposed to Godzilla when I was a kid or growing up or anything, but just this latest reboot sometimes they call it Fat Godzilla but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Godzilla had.
2: For those that don't know, Godzilla has had like five different sizes, <laughs> five different forms. But yeah.
1: But the latest that's... monster, monsterverse big movies is, is the one sure. that I really kind of got into it. So Did you about... ever? Go
2: ahead. Oh, oh, did you ever see Shin Godzilla, the most recent like Toho film of Godzilla? Yeah,
1: yeah. that That's the, that's the one. See, I'm not like on all of see, like,
2: them. He like comes out of the sea and starts transforming and all that sort of stuff. Yes, I, don't know. I did yeah, see that one. That that one was put out in 2016. I was just curious if you if you'd seen that one too. In addition to the you know the Western Godzilla, the the bigger, cooler looking Godzilla.
1: Yeah, um, I did see that one too. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the 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 especially the la- the latest movie, the King of the Monsters one, that was like my oh. all time favorite.
2: That was it was it was really brilliant. I loved it. It really brought back the whole kaiju type thing for me. Like it just really made it it was good. It was it was it it was really good. I really enjoyed that. I um the way I got started, uh I think I was like ten and you know in like Walmarts they used to have those bins of VHSs
1: mm-hmm. in
2: in one of those bins was like I don't know if it was destroy all monsters or one of the godzilla movies maybe it was godzilla and rodan or godzilla versus the sea monster or one of those classic ones um that was in there and i think i got it for like 50 cents or something like that and i went home and watched it and i was just like this is awesome this is (laughs) this is what i want uh and pretty soon i like i had collected um i don't know probably 20 i think there's over 30 toho film godzillas but i probably have like 20 of them on vhs stacked in a corner uh, in my childhood home. And I just was fascinated by Godzilla from then on.
1: So what are what are some of your favorite Godzilla movie or fights or characters, I guess? I miss it because you mentioned Rodan. That's that guy that's oh, like flying, uh, like yeah. a yeah. flying pterodactyl kind of guy,
2: is it? Yep. Yeah, Rodan is like a pterodactyl. He is uh, like he lives in like a mountain of lava and he has some very Mayan-type background. I don't know specifically if he is a Mayan mythical creature or not, but that's the way they present them in these films. Which another thing about these films is they are wacky. Like, you know, you'll you, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. I think there's like this whole other country that lives under the ocean called Sea-topia, and they're the ones that send the sea monster to destroy the land. And I don't know. There's all this. There's a bunch of weird stuff. Like, especially when you get into like uh, King Ghidorah, who features prominently in the most recent. Uh, Godzilla
1: he's the three-headed the three-headed
2: thing yeah he he used to be like um I think Monster X from Planet 10 or something or something like that he used to have a name he used to be engineered by space aliens and now he's got this whole other background so there's all this like I just love the weird absurdity of all the lore and I love um you know what the actual thing that I think I love most about Godzilla films isn't like actually the Godzilla stuff um a lot of the films have these scenes where they're very orderly evacuating the city and there's this dramatic music that's just building because you know somewhere out there in the ocean he's he's on his way or some set of monsters is on their way and you just see like you know train people orderly in lines leaving in trains and buses coming to pick people up and evacuating and shen godzilla does a really good job of this like showing this kind of thing uh and i just i don't know i just Used to get me so pumped up, and then you'd actually see the fight, and uh, it was great. I love Godzilla. <laughs> so, so, what are
1: your, what are your favorite like secondary, second string monsters, or what? So
2: the, the one guy that I really like is, and I say his name, I don't know how to say his name correctly, so people out there will probably correct me, but Anguress. He's the the spiky, four legged buddy of Godzilla, I think, in Godzilla Does he look
1: Mon- like an ankylosaurus, kind of? Yes. The, big, yeah. the, the big, big tail thing?
2: That's like- and the shell thing with spikes on it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's turtle-like. He's not like Gamera, but he is uh, he's got spikes, and he's Godzilla's buddy. Uh, in the same um, movie where Godzilla gets a child, <laughs> uh, Manila or whatever, God, the Godzuki-looking uh, baby Godzilla is. Angerus is featured prominently and they like tag team uh, to beat up on various monsters. And that's a lot of fun. So I like when Godzilla has friends. That's my, those are my favorite episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah I do too. You get like, kind of like a group fight. So Yeah.
2: Group fights are good.
1: Um,
2: and there was this, um, one of the things that I had as a kid um, uh, which was awesome for me, like just at night when I would like go to sleep and I'd look over at this like little poster and I don't know if it was a real poster, if it was like an insert, but it was all of these little circle icons with the name of the uh, Godzilla creature. And what I found out later uh, is the Toho company had made like these copyright icons for all of the individual monsters in the Godzilla universe. And so you could see on this one poster, like like 30 of them. So you'd see like Jet Jaguar, which is like just a dude in spandex, Um, (laughs) you know, and he'd have his own icon or, you know, uh, King Ghidorah would have his own icon or Rodan or whatever. Uh, I don't remember all of them, but you know, the idea. And then at night you would just like, I would look at that, those icons and just be like, that's so cool. I wonder if they fought each other, what it would be like and all that sort of stuff. So I was definitely a a Godzilla super fan from a young age. Um, And I, I, yeah, I love Godzilla. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, so, what do you think of the of the latest reboot movies? Then, in context oh, think, to the other ones,
2: I think they're great. I'm a little concerned, and you've probably heard internet debate about this about the Godzilla versus uh, King Kong um, deal, because they've done that multiple times, and or they've tried to do that multiple times. And I just just don't want them to. I don't want that. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I also think that there's a huge size disparity if you. Unless they make King Kong super big, I don't know. I think know.
1: They I gotta know. Make, they're going to make them bigger. I mean, they got to make them bigger.
2: They probably are. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I like all the weird uh, monsters, like the one that's made of pollution. I don't even remember that one's name, but there's one that's, you know, because because Godzilla periodically will have, like, really important messages. Like, the crazy thing, you know, going back to it as an adult is that first Godzilla movie dealt so, I mean, it was pretty serious and it dealt so much with the atomic fallout from hiroshima and nagasaki and i think it was made in like 54 so it's you know it's 10 years or whatever after the bomb drops and they're just kind of openly talking about what nuclear weapons could lead to or what the dangers are um and i just i don't know i think that it's really interesting like when um i mean godzilla is obviously not serious but like (laughs) <laughs> there are some lessons uh, that you can take from certain Godzilla movies, and they'll 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 sometimes you know touch on more serious topics. Uh, but most of the time, it's just fun people in costumes fighting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess now it's computer computer generated, <laughs> not the yeah. costumes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is great. I mean, they they look so good visually. That movie was outstanding, especially all the Rodan flying. I thought that that was really cool.
1: Yeah. They
2: did a really good job. So.
1: So, um, yeah, I, I I got into um, Godzilla pretty hard, I know, this year. Um, so some people at Christmas knew this, and I got a book of 500 Godzilla facts. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like a little booklet of 500 Godzilla facts. Um, yeah,
2: what, is there some interesting ones that you there, can share?
1: Uh, yeah, there are some interesting ones. Um, I, did you know, and you might have known this because you're, you're like more – more of an aficionado than me, but did you know <laughs> that Godzilla was made was meant to fight the character Batman in the 1966 TV series Batman, but it wow. got canceled.
2: Wow! Wow! How would Batman beat Godzilla?
1: I don't know that. I mean, he would just stop. Forget,
2: forget, that... forget the Batman versus Superman debate. This is the real debate. Would bat Could Batman beat Godzilla? I think there's oh, no
1: maybe. way. I mean, that's probably why it got canceled. So, I mean, how would so that I, even work?
2: So have you watched the animated Godzilla that's on Netflix? There's a the three parts, multiple hour thing. I no, don't know if you've watched no, I Well, it, there's an anime and it's pretty intense, but the basic lore of it, um, which I hope I'm not spoiling this for any of the people out there, but the basic lore of it is that Godzilla takes over the planet and the planet becomes a Godzilla planet because he can mutate to the point where he can self-reproduce and have like little flying Godzillas and little walking Godzillas and bigger Godzillas and all that sort of stuff. So, so the idea behind that indi- seems to indicate that Godzilla could like just never die because like if a drop of his DNA survives or whatever, I don't know how this works, but that's how it's presented in the anime. Then he could, you know, self-replicate himself back up into whatever. So I just, I just don't see how Batman wins. I don't yeah, see
1: that and that's probably why it was canceled. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. yeah there no is problem. there is another one that maybe you know about this too but it says that godzilla fought the avengers in the marvel comics like i don't i don't really remember anything about
2: that wow i don't i you know i i have not read that series of comics but now i want to yeah that's... but
1: maybe they'll put it in the movie i think that would really <laughs> add, add to things if they could merge those universes
2: yeah yeah that's what we need another superhero movie that'll solve more Godzilla stuff. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get more Godzilla stuff on the on the back of the superhero movie. craze <laughs> We'll get
1: the other one. That... Godzilla
2: is not a, Godzilla's not a hero. Sometimes he's a hero, but most of the time he's just a big monster. And I like yeah,
1: that that's that. kind of the the interesting thing about Godzilla. Like, you know, I was asking feels like is, is Godzilla always a hero? But he's not. Like sometimes he's a hero. Sometimes he's sometimes like, he's the villain. He's a villain, destroying things, and sometimes he's just you know just a big godzilla guy
2: just too big for his own good yeah (laughs) yeah no i i i like the idea of that of not being clearly a hero or clearly a villain or clearly whatever just a giant creature (laughs) so
1: so here's here's fact number 14 uh -hmm. godzilla is the cultural ambassador of japan since 2015 even
2: though he's wow wow And he beat out so many great fictional characters. (laughs) There's so many. I mean, we've got everything from Mario to Pikachu to what else? I mean, there's everything. Like, how? Wow. Go, Godzilla. I
1: know. I know. And I also learned, too, he has a uh, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So I'm going to, one day when I'm going there, I'm going to visit it.
2: His star should just be a life size footprint in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That would be so cool. uh, I wonder if the Olympics is going to have a Godzilla themed thing. That would be great.
1: Wait, where's the, Olympics, where's the Olympics?
2: The Olympics is in Japan. If he's the <gasps> cultural ambassador, the the next Olympics is in Japan.
1: That would be so cool. Speaking Maybe. speaking of Japan, I know you sent me um, a picture in in the Slack about some stuff in um, in Japan with Godzilla, and there's this there's a hotel in Japan.
2: Oh, I think you shared this with me. Oh, yeah. I
1: shared the, I can't remember which way, which, yeah. but there, there's a Godzilla hotel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Where they're, they've built outside of the hotel room, like a life-size, like head and arm or whatever. And they like, they're integrated into the room. So you can like, you'll be up on the 10th floor, but you'll get like, you'll open your window curtains and there's Godzilla's eye or whatever, that kind of thing. Right. That's, crazy. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I think you shared, I think you shared pictures.
1: Okay, Love. so maybe we'll put them in the show notes for people. So if you ever sure. if you're going to Japan and you want to stay at a Godzilla hotel, you can you can stay there if you're also into Godzilla.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I could go on and on and on about Godzilla, but uh, <laughs> there are some other uh, stuff that we have in common of of sci-fi um, books that I wanted to to bring up for, for listeners in case, you know, there's other sci-fi kind of junkies out there that might enjoy this. So there's a book that we both read that, um, that, that um, we both really enjoy, but I'll I'll let you explain it.
2: Yeah. uh, Alexander Tchaikovsky. That's the name, right? Um,
1: I don't know how to say his name, but.
2: (laughs) Oh, I think it's, I think it's Alexander Tchaikovsky. Um, But the book is called, Children of Ruin and what's the other one? Children of Time. Children
1: of Time. I think Children of Time is the first one.
2: Yeah, Children of Time is the first one, and it's it's great. Uh, it's you. I I, I think anyone um, who en, enjoys um, what what would be the is It's it's not. It is space opera, but it's not.
1: It's it's sci fi, but I, the the guys are so inventive. I. It's so
2: inventive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want to give too much of the book's premise away, but it spans multiple generations of humans and another thing. Uh and it's a very interesting. I don't know how, how much should we give away to just disc- to really get people hooked to Oh gosh. I don't
1: I don't know. I mean you can give like a a little bit, I guess. I well, know.
2: like yeah, so like there's like uh like he's he's inventive in the sense that there is a planet where they don't have the benefit of uh, fossil fuels, so they didn't have biology for a very long period of time to be able to get to the fact, get to the point where they had petroleum in the ground, and uh, various species develop on that planet, and they use like biology, bio, biological things uh, to uh, emulate computers, like they use ants actually to make computers i don't know that's that's probably not a good not a good hook i can't i can't do this book justice yes yeah,
1: just... so, so you'd have to it, but it's it's he's kind of the the thing that got me of the guy that, that wrote it is that he kind of logically thought through using yeah. um the way other organisms in nature work today yeah another yeah. scenario of if humans weren't around and somehow uh these organisms were prodded in sort of social directions to gain intelligence more quick, quickly what sort of societies uh, would they yeah. produce
2: yep and i'll say this it's it's a book that made me cry when a spider died uh <laughs> it's just like it's and and you you really get a good feel of these uh these alien creatures um, perspectives in the book. He does such a good job of writing uh, from their perspective and from making you believe that this is something that could easily happen. So, well, not easily, obviously there's a huge gap there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was talking to somebody cause I enjoyed the book so much. I was like, Oh, they should turn this into a movie. This would be an awesome movie. I and, know. Uh, and then I was talking to somebody that read it too. And they're like, yeah, but it's got spiders. <laughs> 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 I yeah. I don't, I don't know.
2: You're not, you're not, you're not a fan of giant dog-sized spiders.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it would ever be a movie, but it's an awesome book.
2: Yeah. If, if anyone out there has ever read, uh, Werner Wenge's, uh, A Deepness in the Sky, um, this book is, it channels some of that. So if that's a, if that's a related book, that's another book where there's a spider race, <laughs> but very good.
1: Do you, do you have any uh, other good um, book
2: recommendations for people while we're on the, on the topic? I'm going to get my uh, pen and paper ready. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, oh, I, I'm sure um, you'll notice a theme uh, with the books that I like. They're all um, sci-fi, uh, space opera, multiple generation spanning things. Um, and I really like um, the culture series, uh, which is, uh, let me, I forget the author's name every time, Um, but he's a wonderful author. Uh, Ian Banks, Ian M. Banks. Um, uh, There's, I think, 12 books in the culture series, and it's basically a super advanced space civilization that's post-scarcity, so they don't need to worry about things like food and, you know, whatever. People could live forever if they want, Uh, and so they pursue their own needs and hobbies and they bump up with other empires, um, out there in the vastness of space. And the books are really interesting just by the fact that the premise, the starting premise is we have everything we need. Well, what falls out of that? Is there, you know, this, is there this pursuit of hedonism? Is there this desire to become like a game specialist The the famous book of the series is called player of games. Um, a lot of people have, have read it, but basically it's about, um, you know uh, uh they're the cultures need to infiltrate another space empire and the way that that space empire works is they play a game every year and whoever wins the game becomes the leader of their empire and so uh the culture enlists the foremost expert in games that lives in their post-scarcity society to go and try to win the game and thus win the empire um uh, and it's an interesting it's just a it's, they're very good books uh i very much enjoy them um yeah, and so isn't, that isn't
1: the the one of the SpaceX rockets or something like that named after those books. I thought there was something like
2: that. Oh, that that could be the case. Uh, he was a very popular author, and I think unfortunately he passed away in 2012. Um, and everything he had written had been, you know, just I I've really enjoyed everything he wrote. Um, I would I wouldn't be surprised if he got that honorific. That would make sense. But yeah, I, li- I really like Ian uh, M. Banks. I like the, the Adrian Tchaikovsky books. Um, and I like Werner Venge, Deepness in the Sky, and um, I forget the other, the other uh, Werner books, but they're very good, too.
1: Have you read the Expanse series?
2: I have not read the Expanse series, and I really need to because I very much enjoy the show, uh, and I feel like I'm missing out by not having read um, all the books.
1: Yeah, those are great books too. I think the series that they did is is really good too. Is there is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about?
2: No, I think I think we about covered everything. I'm honored to have been on the show. Um, oh yeah,
1: we're not done yet.
2: Oh okay. Because
1: all right. as you know, having helped edit all these <laughs> podcasts, we have a final question. Oh yeah. And. Uh, uh, if, you, if you can help us with it, because I think you're well-positioned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you have any advice for the, the listeners, and I think you have a vast uh, life experience and, you know, from philosophy to Peace Corps to computer science to, I mean, just you, you're just such a cool person. Um, so anything you'd share with us would be great.
2: Yeah, I, um, I think that my piece of advice uh, would hopefully come through a little bit in the previous parts of this interview. Uh, But as a support person, I obviously strongly believe in the, um, the relationship of uh, someone having a problem and asking for help. And I think that that's a a, a just very simple thing that can be applied to every aspect of life. Um, So whenever you're in trouble or you're experiencing something difficult and you can find someone that makes you feel comfortable, whether it's in a professional setting, like a support desk or in a private setting, um, you know, like going to see a a therapist or talking to your loved ones or whatever, uh, and you can ask for help, I would encourage people to do it. Because uh, I think everything that I've done that's positive in my life has probably started with me (laughs) asking other people how to do it, or what do I need to do to get this, or how can you help me solve this thing that's facing me? and just leaning on uh, the network uh, of people that I have, and the and the friends, and the family, and the professionals um, that have helped me along the way. I think asking for help is something everyone should practice, and it is a skill. And you have to set aside uh, some of your personal fears and some of your own, um, you know, insecurities or whatever, to sometimes do it. But it's worth it every time. Um, and I think all the people have, who have always answered me when I've asked for help. So that's my advice.
1: I second that. I think that's so important. And thank you for saying that and reiterating that. So that's something to take to heart. Thank you again. Um, I think we'll, we'll wrap it from here, but thank, thank you, Jarrett so much for being on the show. Uh, it's nice to have finally have you on the show and not just behind the scenes, editing our podcasts and providing awesome support. So thank you for stepping on this side of the curtain and sharing your vast experience uh, and life uh, with us. And this has been the Cognacast.
0: have been listening to the CogniCast. The CogniCast is brought to you by Cognitech. We're a team of thoughtful, experienced technologists. Our passion is helping organizations from the smallest startups to the Fortune 50 deploy technology effectively and humanely. We're here to help you build better futures. You can find us on the web at Cognitech.com and on Twitter at Cognitech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, Cognitech.com slash You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or emailing us at podcast at Our guest this week was Jared Binford, who is at Jared Binford on Twitter. That's at sign J-A-R-E-T-B-I-N-F-O-R-D. Our host this week was Karen Meyer, who is Giga Squid or at Giga Squid, think one billion squids, on Twitter. Episode cover art is by me, Russ Olson, based on an original photo by Colin Raleigh. I hope I got your name right, Colin. That's a great photo. Audio production is by Joe Smith and the very same Jared Binford. The CogniCast is produced by Kim Foster. Our theme music is by Ben Camphouse, who produces music as Pattern Shift. Look for it on any of the major streaming services. I'm Russ Olson. Please stay safe and healthy out there, and thanks for listening.
1: I'm gonna like just start recording right now, so okay. we can say stuff like, you know, are you ready? We're good, and all this other stuff. Um, and then I'm supposed to say the Cognicast thing, and mm-hmm. then do the art thing. And then after that, we can just do whatever we want.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I could even I could even say, you know, today's episode of the Cognicast was brought to you by the letter L. And uh-huh. the closure form let and the number <laughs> seven.
2: Yeah, you could you could say all that
1: because we have an editor. You're the editor right here. I could just like edit it out if it's bad. It's...
2: Yeah, actually, what Gotti did multiple times during his recording was like, "We'll fix this in post." It was very.
1: <laughs> That's very professional. <laughs>
2: it was very, it was very like Hollywood. I was just like, "Wow!" I don't know if Gotti had hosted another podcast before, but he just was like, "Boom." we got this. And so I, as several times during the podcast, I'd be like, wait, he's talking to me.
1: What is your title here? Do we, I mean, are you just, like, uh, do you even have it? I mean, we, titles are like around here. You don't really, I,
2: I think I'm like the atomic support engineer or something. What, what do you want to be?
1: Support. I don't. <laughs> what do you want me to?
2: Let me look at what I, I,
1: I, <laughs> I, gotta look I really up. don't
2: know. I really don't know what my title is. Um, <laughs>
1: You could just actually, make it
2: up, I guess. I'm going to look at my offer letter. <laughs> no,
1: you don't need to do four years,
2: ago, Four years ago, but I want to see if we actually spelled it out in there.
1: Oh, my yeah. gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I could look to see if it's on the web page. Maybe it says on the web It's not on the web
2: page because they changed the web page format.
1: Oh, my gosh we we don't know what your title is
2: uh customers the atomic customer support engineer
1: okay do you want to That's go right.
2: with that yeah sure whatever I <laughs> I, I...
1: so minute zero here we go am i pressing record oh yes i am recording okay cool so uh welcome every i'm gonna do that again this is i like i was starting and then it's like you you jump you know you're just about to jump and then you stumble